Hi, it's Fallon. You're listening to the Heartbroken Podcast. And I kind of, I made a decision about the podcast. I know it's not going to be super exciting news necessarily, but I think what I'm going to do is at the three-year mark, which comes up in July, that's when I'm going to take a indefinite pause on the Heartbroken Podcast. Um, It felt right, like three years, like that's a lot, a big chunk of time. I've done a new episode basically every single week with the exception of like maybe three weeks and three years. And those were based on like people canceling or um, one was like Christmas Day that I just made that decision. So anyway, it took me a lot of time. But once I like kind of made that decision in my mind, it felt good and it felt right, like the right decision to make. With that said, there are plenty of episodes left. I have so many scheduled I have them scheduled through May at this point, and then I'll be reaching out to other people and getting the final scheduled episodes ready to go. And so you'll have stuff at least through July, and then you never know. I always say you never know. I mean, maybe I take a month off and I'm like, oh, I miss it, but I don't want to give false hope. So the idea is that it would be on an indefinite pause. I do want to give a heads up for today's episode, um, a trigger warning. There is domestic abuse involved in this episode. Um, so I do want to give you a trigger warning for that. Jessica joins me today on the Heartbroken Podcast. And Jessica, there a lot happened in this relationship we're going to talk about today. Give us a little preview of what we're about to hear. Yeah, so what my story is one of heartbreak for sure. I thought I had found my forever love, um, but what I found was not the dream I always pictured. I'm Fallon, and this is the Heartbroken Podcast. Everyone has experienced heartbreak in their life, some more than others. Often, we feel like we're bothering our family or friends when we talk about it. I started this podcast to help those going through heartbreak share their stories. Sometimes it's easier to share with someone they don't know. I hope it's somewhat therapeutic for them. Maybe it gives them some closure. And to those listening, I hope it helps you feel less alone. Thank you for listening to the Heartbroken Podcast. Okay, we we have to go back to the beginning. That's what we always do on the podcast because there is usually an instant connection with someone and that's you know why you put up with so much uh, throughout a relationship if it's not going perfectly so tell me about how you guys met and everything yeah so i um originally from um the metro area um twin cities and i had just moved back i had i had um been in chicago for about 6 years and i moved back um kind of to all of my friends, married, um, they all had kids. And so I really um, didn't waste much time. I started to to go out on the internet and look for um, people to go out with and hang out with. I was um, in my middle 30s, so I was worried about, um, you know, just the timeline of having kids, and that was always really important to me. So I met my ex um, relatively quickly. I, I think I, um, on my birthday, sat down with my sister and I was like, I think I need to do a profile. So we opened a bottle of wine and um, put, up, <laughs> put up a pro- profile. And um, my ex was one of the first guys to respond. Um, he annoyed me at first because he had a lot of grammatical errors in his messages. Mm-hmm. So um, I kind of had to look past that. 
Um, but we ended up meeting um, just an instant connection. We, I think we were both very physically attracted to one another. Um, and yeah, we, we were hot and heavy um, pretty much right from the start. You said you moved quickly and you were living together within four months. Yes. Um, situation, um, as, as they were, uh, he was living with um, family. Um, he had just gotten out of um, a, a long-term, like 15 or 16-year marriage. Um, so he was going in the process of going, getting a divorce. He wasn't officially divorced when we met. So he was living with family and um, that family um, was no longer able to uh, let him stay. And so he moved in with me. Um, What did your family think? Were they like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? That's so quick for someone to move in with you. Or were they like, they felt it too. They knew that this was uh, quote unquote, the one. Um, No, they were very concerned. Um, and that's kind of all, that's kind of been my history of moving really fast, like meeting someone. Um, I think like our second date was Easter at my brother's house and, you know, so it was super fast. Um, and they, they were concerned. But you told your sister that you were certain you were going to marry him. Yeah, I did. I, in fact, in our and at our wedding, um, she was my matron of honor and she, uh, referred back to an email that I had sent her saying, I think he's the one I see I envision having kids with him. Um, and she actually used pieces of that original email that I sent her after, you know, one or two dates, um, telling her how happy I was. Yeah. You, and yeah, you said, I mean, you're very happy uh, that great connection, you move in quickly. So tell me about the relationship as it goes on for a while. Things don't stay so perfect, right? Yeah. Um, there were some, some legal issues, um, related to his previous marriage. Um, so he was charged with, um, some domestic abuse, um, I guess, uh, things, issues that, that, uh, that arose. Um, he had four kids from his previous marriage, but he did not have custody. He had supervised visits and, you know, he told me very early on, uh, what his situation was. And I'm very much a firm believer in giving people a second chance and two sides to the story and people can change. Um, but relatively quickly, I realized that I was, um, you know, in a relationship with someone that had um, really severe anger problems. And and even though he was enrolled in anger management when I started dating him, I, you know, he would mock it or make fun of it. Um, and so there was lots of red flags in the very beginning. Yeah, it sounds like it. Like I were you. I mean, that's the kind of thing I would be having dating someone with that history of domestic abuse. I don't even think I would share that with my friends and family. Did you keep that a secret between you guys? You know, I didn't. I did. Well, yes and no. 
so we lived actually with my sister. We lived in her and, and her husband and we lived in their um, basement. So we had our own living space, but we shared a kitchen. So I didn't, I felt like I needed to share that with her. My sister's also my best friend. So I, I needed to share that with her just so she knew, you know, he was living in our house and um, whatever, but I didn't share it with, for example, like my mom or my brother um, until he started doing things that were just so weird. Um, and, you know, sharing that with family then, like, I remember one time we had planned to go to a party. It was a Halloween party. Um, and I had invited him to come and he chose not to. Um, and then he starts texting me when I'm at the party, um, accusing me that I'm like stalking him, that I'm outside of his window looking in and that he saw my car drive past. And, you know, I told him I'm in a different city. I'm at this party. What are you talking about? So I don't know if it was a jealousy thing, but that just seemed really odd to me. He also, yeah. um, after we were fully committed, um, or so I thought, tried to start up a relationship with uh, one of my sister's best friends um, on on the dating website that we had used. So wait um, a minute. he So he's still on, I think it was Plenty of Fish. He's still on that. Did he know it was your sister's friend? He absolutely, he had met her before. And he just thought he was going to casually date your sister's friend and you would find out, you wouldn't find out, even though he's living with you and it's your sister's friend. Exactly. How did you find out about that? I'm, I'm assuming she told you. She told me. She called me and said, um, I need to tell you something. Um, and he, you know, he said, he basically sent her, hey, I know I've been hanging up, but, um, you know, I, I, I'm really attracted to you and I would love to hang out more. Um, and she, you know, she basically shot him down and told me about it. And yeah, I, I, I still, I always said, well, you know, that will never happen again. You know, that, that won't, he won't ever treat me like that again. What did he say in that situation? Like, oh, we weren't committed or, or did he just apologize and own it and say he wouldn't do it again? Yeah, he, he just, he said, you know, it was stupid. I don't know why I did that. Um, you know, I was married for so long and it's exciting to have. And I, you know, so he, he had all the excuses and some of them made sense, I guess, but I knew it was wrong and I just didn't listen to my gut. So it's kind of sounds like the the old saying where he is doing the sketchy stuff but projecting it on you, trying to accuse you of doing sketchy stuff like cheating. Right. Yep. It didn't really get better, but I was so hell-bent on making the relationship work. I wanted to prove to my friends and family that he was a good guy. And, um, you know, I remember sitting down and having a conversation with him saying, you know, I want to have kids and I want to have kids within the next year or two. Um, and he said, okay. And so we decided to try uh, to go off birth control. And the next month I got pregnant. Like who would have thought that would have happened? Like I did not think that was going to happen. So we had been together um, 
probably six or seven months at that point. Um, And you were excited though, because that's the thing you wanted. I was so excited. I was thrilled. And I thought I had my, my dreams, all my dreams were going to come true. I was going to have, you know, a beautiful wedding and I was going to have a beautiful child with him. And it didn't matter that he had this like past of um, abuse and didn't have any real interest in seeing his kids um, from his previous marriage. So I, 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 I guess I had the rose-colored glasses on, I guess you'd say. I was going to say, you can look at it now and, you know, so you could look at on on the outside now or someone listening could say, why would you want to have a child with someone who doesn't even want to be in the other kids' lives? Or why would you want to have a child with someone who has this history of abuse and anger issues, but you just didn't see it? You thought it was going to be different in your, your situation. Yeah, I saw what I want, what I wanted to. And, you know, obviously I've been through a lot of therapy, um, but I also, I don't think I ever felt that I deserved to be happy. You know, it was, I didn't think I was good enough, Um, but he was good enough for me. Like I could, I could see myself being with him because he wasn't, you know, a perfect person. Um, mm-hmm. Not that anybody is perfect, but. So uh, was he excited when you were pre- found out you were pregnant? Yes, he was. And I think he had, at this point had basically lost his relationship with his four other children. Um, and, you know, and the whole time I met him, I never did meet his uh, other children. He still hasn't seen them. Um, and this is 10 years later, but he was happy. And I think it was his way of starting over, starting a new family. His family loved me. Um, they always teased him that he was, you know, marrying up and they, you know, loved that I had gone to college and I had a good job. Um, I think they were a little bit surprised when I got pregnant, but um, they were very supportive, helped us financially. Um, so that was the really hard part because I did get close to his family. Um, and that's hard. Well, that is hard. And also, while you're pregnant, some big things happened in your life too. Yeah. Um, so... This was actually shortly after, um, well, about a year after I, I had my son. Um, my brother died by suicide. And it was, I mean, anyone that has lost someone um, in that way knows what a complicated grief it is. And um, I'm so sorry. Thank you. Yeah, it was it was really difficult. It was really tough. And you know, at first he was my rock. He supported me through that. Um you know, I remember my mom coming to tell me and you know, him just kind of like wrapping his arms around both of us. Um 
And that changed pretty quickly as I got further into my grief and dealing with that loss. Um, you know, I, the big thing of me is, is, uh, he had a lot of friends and I wanted to spend time with his friends. So I would go hang out for the night, um, with his, with all of his buddies, you know, I'd go to their softball games or their dart tournaments. And, um, he had a really hard time with that. And, you know, he made everything about him. So even though I was going through this intense pain and trying to heal and move forward, um, without my sibling, he made it about him and how could I treat him this way? In order to take the burden off from my mom, um, we brought all of my brother's things and put them in our garage. And it wasn't very long before he started bugging me about going through them and getting rid of them. And, you know, I just wasn't ready to do that at that point. And so I just, you know, his, um, how he treated me when I was grieving um, was, was wrong. And, you know, I don't, I don't, I know it's a difficult thing and how to, to help someone through that, but um, it just, it felt really bad. Well, yeah, because like you said in the beginning, he, you remember that embrace and that, you know, support and for that to be pulled away pretty quickly. I mean, that's the loss of your brother. That's you. Those are the moments you need your partner to be there for you most. Right. And, you know, it, 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 it's the narcissistic, you know, personality, even when you're dealing with something so tragic, um, he has to turn it around and make it about him. And I really, that was kind of like a pivoting point of him really starting to not be able to handle his aggression at all. Um, and at first it was just um, physical or not, I mean, I'm verbal. And then, you know, it became increasingly um, more physical um, and nothing that I would like want to call the police, but, you know, just grabbing me too too hard or um, blocking my way so I couldn't get out the door. Um, and I had a really hard time with how he treated our son and how he disciplined him. Um, never physical, but just very, you know, uh, mean. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah. I can, I, I think as mothers, it's one thing when it's happening to us, but don't you dare do something to our child. That's exactly how it was. And so I started, I was traveling, um, at the time for work quite a bit. So I would be gone sometimes three and four days a week. Um, and I think that was really hard for him. Um, he of course wanted all of the nice things that my job provided because I was making substantially more financially than him. Um, and we finally, you know, had money in the bank to do fun things, but he didn't like being, uh, you know, kind of a stay at home dad. I mean, he worked too, but he, you know, had the sole responsibility of watching our son when I was gone. Um, 
And I think he began to resent the fact that I made more than him. Um, you know, again, he just started escalating to the point where I knew I needed to get out. Um, well, I would several- imagine it's too, um, you know, I would imagine too that it's, I would be worried to leave my kid home alone with them that often too. Was that in the yep. back of your mind? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, it, it's total, you feel helpless because, you know, you have to do your job, but your job is um, protecting your child and making sure he's cared for. And it was in my job at the time, there was no work-life balance, you know, so I was working 60 and 70 hours a week. And it was really, really tough. Um, But yeah, I knew, I knew something needed to change. And I didn't think that he would be able to make the changes that I needed to see. Did you ask him to, and you, or had you at that point been like, yeah, we've kind of talked about this so many times. It's just not going to change. Yeah. And you know, I, when I was traveling, um, I would meet people and, you know, hear stories and I, you know, form new friendships. And so as I realized that this, the relationship that I have is, is not healthy. It's not normal. Like I'm hearing people talk about their partners and I don't feel that way anymore. And I'm actually afraid of, uh, you know, for my safety and my son's safety. So I came home, I remember coming home and telling him I'm filing for divorce after a trip. Um, and of course he didn't react. Uh, he was very upset. So I went and saw an attorney. I started the paperwork and, um, you know, all along he, he was wanting me, um, to work it out, to go to counseling, kind of in the midst of all of this, my dad ended up passing away, uh, suddenly. And so again, once again, you know, I remember driving down to go plan my dad's funeral and he's talking about, let's just try counseling. You know, we can get through this. I love you. You know, no one's going to love you. Like I love you. Um, and I just, I was so, I just couldn't even stand to look at him because here again, another loss and he's making it about him. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we did actually try counseling. Um, I felt, and it's funny because even family members who weren't like a big fan of him were like, well, have you tried counseling? And <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I get it. And counseling is, is, is awesome and, and great, but it doesn't fix what needed to be fixed in order to make this work. Yeah. We tried counseling and I'll never forget the day that the therapist looked at me and said, your husband is a narcissist. He's never going to change. He may get better, 
um, you know, than he is now, but he's always going to be this way. Did and she say that in front of him or did you? He did. You? Okay. He, and it, yeah, he did. It was a guy. Mm-hmm. He was an amazing therapist. Um, but that like shook me to my core. Um, it just shook me. And I said, you know, you're right. And I think I finally realized like I can keep on living like this or I can choose not to. And um, I'll, I mean, I'll be forever thankful for him for saying that. And, and finally like it clicking that mm-hmm. I, there's, I could want him to change, but he's never going to change because he just, he can't, he's incapable of, of it. So um, did you then kind of go through with the paperwork and, and, and tell him like, this isn't going to work out. Like, it's clear to me, I'm not in love with you anymore. We need to like go our separate ways. I did. Um, and then I pulled it again. Like he talked his way back and I don't know why Val. I'm like, I do not know why I let him, this man back into my life, but I did again. So I had moved out at this point. Um, our son was living with me. I had moved out and he would come over occasionally. And, um, he was trying to get, you know, to reconcile. And I was actually considering it. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. Cause I, you know, I just said I had this epiphany and the, and the therapist coach, but. Well, it's hard. It's, it's easier said than done as they say. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, doing all the right things. And it's, it's, it's that cycle of abuse. It's, mm-hmm. you know, something will happen and then, you know, they'll be really good for you know, a little bit. And then, then, then something else will happen. And so anyways, I had wanted to get a memorial tattoo for my dad. And so I, I took his um, signature and it was actually the signature that he put in our wedding card um, and went to get the tattoo. And he came with me um, and he, I'd given him my phone so he could take pictures um, when I got the tattoo and he must've seen a text message or an email, um, because I was talking to other guys and he flipped out, um, basically wouldn't give me my phone back. We went to pick up our son and he basically, um, we went back to my place he wouldn't let me leave. He wouldn't give me my phone back. He took out a knife and um, said that he was going to kill himself because that's what I was doing to him. Um, oh and this gosh. is all in front of our our four-year-old. Um, he strangled me. He tried to strangle me. Um, he told my son that he was going to kill me and then I would, he would never see his mom again. Oh my gosh. And I, I mean, this was like, it was, it was, it was basically like six or seven hours of torture um, and trying to protect my son and my son trying to protect me, which no four year, no child should have to protect their parent. And so that was, that was it. Um, I went to the police the next morning when I finally was able 
I think the only reason he let me leave is because I was going to see our our joint therapist at the time. And I think he thought that 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 was going to fix things and that what he did would be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went to the police and reported it. And he was charged with two different felonies and um, misdemeanors. Um, I did have to go um, to court and get restraining orders. Um, it came down to the end. He was not willing to take a plea bargain for many months. Um, so my son was going to have to testify in court. Uh, my son had to be interviewed by Child Protective Services and, and tell them what happened. Oh my gosh. I, it was, it was a night. It was awful. And he went to jail. Um, he fought, he, he ended up taking, um, the plea deal. And so they dropped a felony and, um, he ended up going to jail and, um, yeah, he, uh, now this was a couple of years ago, um, about five months ago, he started supervised visits with our son. Um, and it's, it's been really tough for me to, allow that because if I had my way, that relationship would end. Um, and I think that I, I'm still that same person who thinks that everyone gets a second chance and everyone, you know, can change, but, um, I am very careful, um, about, with, with, with our son, you know, just making sure he has all the services that he needs because of the trauma that he had to endure. Um, does he still remember it? He does. Yep. He does. And of course, you know, every time he sees his dad every other Saturday, um, supervised and, you know, there's always that anxiety building up and, you know, he's been acting out. Um, and just, it, it, it breaks my heart because he had to see that. And it makes me, you know, you, you, you kind of feel bad. You know, why, why did I say, why did I, why did I do this? But, you know, it's, it was all good intentions. You know, you want to keep your family unit together and, I, I'm still struggling with, you know, um, being hard on myself about that. It has been a couple of years. What I'm sure in the very beginning, it was very hard because there's a lot going on. It's, you know, I know you, you guys got divorced for obvious reasons. He was in jail. You're trying to, I'm sure you, you've mentioned earlier on the podcast, you've gone to counseling. So I think you've probably seen a therapist for yourself and like you said, provided one for your son to help with everything. What's the process been like for yourself? Not taking your son out of it. I understand how you feel about that. What's it been like for yourself and where are you now? You know, it's, it's actually been um, a pretty great transformation for me. I, 
I felt um, after I went to court and and did a victim impact statement. Um, and after I did that, you know, people, my family that was there to support me and my friends, you know, how strong you are. I don't, you know, I can't imagine being in your situation and you're so strong. And I honestly feel like for the first time, I actually do feel that way. I feel, you know, that I'm so strong and I could handle any situation. I'm resilient and resourceful. And I think that self-love piece, it has um, come out through therapy and realizing you know, not focusing on what I should have done or what I could have done, but what I did do. Um, and I think that's been uh, the best thing that has come out of this situation for sure. Well, I, I have two questions. Um, I think the first one is, you know, in the beginning you said, you know, you stayed with him because you didn't think you deserved better. Do you acknowledge now that you do absolutely deserve better? I do. I really do. I know I deserve better. And, um, you know, I, I'm still single, but I think it's because I do. I, I mean, I know I'm not going to settle this time. I, I want to be with someone, um, that gives me just as much as I give them and that appreciates me for all that I am. Yeah. And this one may be a harder one, or maybe it's super easy. You in the beginning also talked about knowing his past. He was very open with you and you firmly believing in second chances. He kind of proved he was that same person throughout has that changed how you approach people and things now? Are you a little bit more uh, or little, maybe less open to providing a second chance, more, you know, alert for that stuff? I I think I for sure am. Yeah. Um, you know, you kind of put your guard up. It's a defense mechanism. Um, as a side note, uh <laughs> Shortly after this all happened, he um, moved in with a new person, a new woman, and her two kids. So it's 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 scary to me um, that someone like this can be so manipulative. Um, and I, I I I hope and pray that everyone stays safe because. You know, it's it, second chances are great and all, but like I said earlier, some people just aren't capable. They just don't have it in their brain. Um, that awareness that that what is right is right and what is wrong is wrong, and they just don't have that impulse control. Mm -hmm. And it's very sad. I've never been in an abusive relationship Um I definitely, I've been in a, like a very manipulative one with a narcissist. And if anything, it was uh, very similar to what you described where the therapist legitimately said, this is a narcissist, like basically get out. Um, and, but I've always heard, and I think most people listening have heard or seen movies where it's much harder to get out because everyone's like, get out. Don't put yourself and your kid in that situation. It's so much harder 
to do that if someone was listening right now what advice would you give them if they're in a similar situation? Because I think what I appreciate most is you describing some of the things that people, they, uh, they, they would brush off like, Oh, he blocked the door and wouldn't let me leave. That's, that's cause you even said it. That's not something you call the cops over, but that doesn't mean it is okay. So sometimes you overlook things like this. Cause you're like, Oh, well he didn't push me down the stairs or give me a black eye. But there's more to it than that. What advice would you give someone if they were listening? Listen to your gut. Um, be strong. And anytime you even are questioning yourself, is this okay? Or why did this happen? Or why? Seek help. There's so many great resources. Um, and, you know, I had court advocates and you know, domestic uh, violence resources in our community, get get help um, because your world will change. Um, you'll start loving yourself because I think anybody that's in that situation has some like self-hate. Um, and I, I, yeah, get help. Well, Jessica, I want to thank you so much for sharing your story today. And I'm so thankful that you did exactly what you just, you know, recommended and that you and your son are on to much better things in life. Thanks so much, Fallon. Yep. Thank you. And thank you for listening to the Heartbroken Podcast.